Hannah, tell me what the current political situation in Belarus looks like from your point of view. Well, currently it is another major escalation. Um, if we actually compare the numbers of political prisoners right now, last November there were less than 150 political prisoners in Belarus, and currently there are more than 900. So this is constantly escalating. There is uh, this uh, atmosphere of fear. People are being repressed. Uh, thousands more are in jail. They're tortured. They're beaten with no access to basically medical assistance, warm clothes, and so on. Um, and Lukashenko is pretty much happy to draw attention away from uh, this situation by escalating the border crisis right now. Um, I know that you have uh, just been on the border, so so perhaps you could also tell us a little bit more about what's happening there. Yeah, the border is a very strange kind of crisis because, as you know, it's been manufactured by Lukashenko, by the Belarusian dictator, um, who encouraged people from the Middle East to come to his country and then has used his security guards to cut holes in the border fence and help them uh, cross illegally into Poland and from where many of them make it into Germany. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a strange thing to do, um, A, because it's created a, a new problem for him, which is that many of the people were pushed, who came in were pushed back or didn't make it into Poland, and so then they came back to Minsk, and now there's this population of people in Minsk who don't want to be there. Um, and it seems, it seems a little strange. And the only real explanation for it that I can find is, I mean, of course, he wanted to disrupt and annoy both the Poles and the Lithuanians, who have been the main um, main countries annoyed by it. He also wanted to annoy the European Union. But it looks now increasingly like what he really wanted was some kind of attention. Um, you know, he wanted phone calls from the head of the EU, the, uh, the European Commission, um, Ursula von der Leyen, and the German Chancellor, former German Chancellor, uh, Angela Merkel. Um, and he, he, you know, seems like, I mean, partly because it's very cold there now, um, it seems like it's slowing down. Anyway, the numbers of people coming into Belarus are, are slowing down, but it seems like he got what he wanted. Um, you know, it, it, in your view, was that the right way to deal with the crisis? Was it, to, you know, to, to call him and get him to stop? I mean, of course, that, that call, those calls were accompanied by sanctions, mm -hmm. um, new ones on Belarusian airlines and on some Belarusian hotel and tourist agencies. Um, and so I think, the, I think the overall effect of EU pressure um, was effective. But mm -hmm. um, should we be talking to him? I think if uh, the reason of these calls was to resolve this humanitarian crisis on the border, then of course uh, these calls were necessary. At the same time, it's really important to mention and to sort of um, have in mind that uh, continue talking with Lukashenko uh, in relation to other matters is not possible because he's not a legitimate leader anymore and he's not recognized by Belarusians, by the EU, by the West in general. So, of course, uh, these conversations could not become constant and they can only uh, be focusing on the sort of resolution of the crisis on the border. At the same time, it's really important to remember about the situation in Belarus, about this unprecedented level of repressions, because again, what Lukashenko has, has been successful with is to draw attention away. And we should, um, again, focus on uh, human rights violations, on repressions, because they do continue, and this is uh, unprecedented. Um, in your view, was this response... Um, enough because now the EU responded with sanctions uh, with regards to the border crisis. But what about political prisoners? What about repressions in Belarus? 
Um, as you know, there have been some sanctions, and I'm in favor of ratcheting them up. Um, but, you know, Lukashenko presents a problem for the West. Um, he he you know, doesn't seem to be affected by, you know, condemnations. He's not affected by human rights organizations um, criticizing him, even those inside the UN. Um, he appears to be, uh, you know, to feel the sense of impunity. He can do whatever he wants. Um, and he really, he, together with those who support him, and by that mainly I mean Russia, um, who are now keeping the Belarusian economy afloat, but also other aut autocracies who've supported him, including China, Iran, um, uh, you know, even Cuba. Um, there's now a kind of, you know, these autocracies now work together um, in a way to, to you know, to, to sort of defy the West jointly. I mean, I think it's clear that the West needs a bigger and broader strategy. Um, and in the week when we have a big democracy conference in Washington, I mean, it's an online conference, but still, um, it's, you know, I'm hoping that that will end with a discussion of precisely this kind of strategy. You know, what is our, you know, what is our long-term way of dealing with Lukashenko? I mean, you know, how do we really and truly cut him out of the international economy? Um, how do we make him pay a price for what he's doing? And how do we encourage the Belarusian business and security and military elite um, to push back against him too, because ultimately they, you know, it's it, those are the people who who will need to, you know, make the decision about him finally stepping down um, and letting the rightful president take over. Um, in in the last two few seconds, do you agree? <laughs> I do agree, and um, I know that the U.S. Um, is sort of announcing this proactive response uh, generally, a proactive uh, defense, let's say, of democracy. So let's hope that this uh, wouldn't happen and Belarus would be free. Thank you very much. Thank you.